Welcome to the Come Follow Me podcast, presented by BYU Speeches, featuring BYU devotionals and forums specially curated to accompany your weekly Come Follow Me studies. Be sure to check out our other podcasts by searching BYU Speeches wherever you get your podcasts or by visiting speeches.byu.edu slash podcasts. I'm delighted to be with you on this special occasion. I'm sorry that Sister Nelson has a cold and a cough that have kept her at home. I'm overwhelmed by this large congregation of young adults. Many more are gathered throughout North America, Central America, South America, Europe, Africa, Asia, and the islands of the sea. I pray for the Spirit of the Lord to be with us. And since these proceedings are being translated into 28 languages, we also pray for our translators. To each young adult, I bring greetings and love from President Gordon B. Hinckley, President Thomas S. Monson, President James E. Faust, and my brethren of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles. We thank you for your faith, for your devotion, and your desire to serve the Lord. We love each one of you. I would like you to stop taking notes for just a moment and do some personal soul-searching. Tonight, you are eager, you're young. Most of you are students with great ambitions for the future. Now, I want you to think. I want you to think about yourself not as you are, but as you may become 50 years from now. Through your imaginary time tunnel, look at yourself as you will be then. Your broad minds and narrow waists have traded places. <laughs> you are finished with your career. Your working days are over. No more time clocks to punch. No more paychecks to collect. Are you with me? Now. Here are my questions. What do you see in yourself 50 years from now? What do you want to be 50 years from now? What do you really want most of all 50 years from now? I think I can hear your minds working. Some of you might say, I just want to be alive 50 years from now. <laughs> Not a bad idea. Accidents and illnesses are part of mortality, which means that some of you won't be here 50 years from now, but most of you will. So plan for the rule, not for the exception. Some of you see fame or fortune in your future, and most of you want families. If Sister Nelson were here, I would invite her to stand beside me. As you know, man is not without the woman in the Lord. Perhaps our being together could help you in your planning and in your achieving what you want to become. The title of my message tonight is Faith and Families 
Purposely, I've listed faith first. That has always been the Lord's the, the lodestar for our married life, to have faith to seek first the kingdom of God. We have learned that unshakable faith in the Lord enriches married life and love. Faith increases our very capacity to love, both quantitatively and qualitatively. More than 50 years ago, we were young adults, as you are now. This photograph was taken at that time. We were both university students. I was a sophomore pre-medical student. She was a freshman on a scholarship. We were very much in love. I think you can sense that in the photo. Brethren, you can't blame me for being in love with her, can you? You can turn the photo off now because we really don't look like that anymore. <laughs> but to me, Sister Nelson now is even more beautiful. My career as a doctor of medicine has been completed. All of my many surgical operations have been done. Likewise, Sister Nelson has had extremely demanding responsibilities as a mother of ten children. I forgot to mention that our first nine children were all little girls. Our home was like a girl's dormitory until our one and only son came along. Poor boy, he didn't know who his real mother was for his first two years. Now Sister Nelson's life has matured. She has taken on a less rigorous role as grandmother of our grandchildren, many of whom are here this evening. Would all members of our family please stand for a moment? Don't be bashful. I would like the cameraman to focus upon you so that others can see you as well. We are blessed with 56 grandchildren and 14 great-grandchildren. Our newest grandchild is here, two weeks old tonight. Those numbers are likely to increase. You folks can be seated. Thanks very much. You're very loyal. <laughs> I considered showing photos of each of our 106 family members. Then I thought of the grandmother traveling in the airplane beside a stranger. Her animated conversation about her family led to her asking him, did I show you a picture of my grandchildren? Her seatmate replied, No, and thank you. <laughs> I won't show you any more pictures. Wouldn't help anyway. The beauty of our family is much more than physical. It is spiritual. No two members are alike. Each is unique and special. What is most important to Sister Nelson and me now? That we are husband and wife, wedded for time and all eternity. Our children are born in the covenant and are sealed to us forever. What joy that knowledge brings! When we were married in the temple, we didn't know many scriptures. 
But we did know Matthew 6 and 33. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. As mentioned earlier, that became the lodestar for every decision we made together. Only years later did we learn that the Joseph Smith translation of that verse was even more compelling and clear. Seek not the things of this world, but seek ye first to build up the kingdom of God and to establish his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. We have been guided well by that scripture. I have been inspired well by this woman of faith who has stood beside me all these years. Blessings that mean the most to me have come because of her. Times have changed in half a century. The world is ailing spiritually. That sickness is rapidly becoming more rampant. Temptations to sin go way beyond anything we knew at your age. You are entering a consumer culture obsessed with materialistic goals. Multitudes worship at the shrine of selfishness. Loud voices defend the fallacious doctrine that all lifestyles are of equal value. People want more rights than responsibilities. They seem more concerned with entitlement than enlightenment. Responsible fatherhood is being defined as a weekly visit and financial support. In short, we face a mind-boggling moral inversion. Against this backdrop of spiritual decay, you young adults of the Church enter the stage. You have a firm foundation of faith. You are role models, both in courtship and in marriage. You know what's right and what's wrong. You hold the line. You know the Lord's teachings and you will teach them to your own children and grandchildren. You are the hope of Israel, Zion's army, children of the promised day. You have far more spiritual power than we did at your age. As you go forward on life's battlefield, you are numbered with the covenant people of the Lord, scattered upon all the earth, armed with righteousness and with the power of God in great glory. We are very, very proud of you. As Sister Nelson and I look back, we can honestly say that our family and membership in the Church are most important to us. How thankful we are that we heeded the counsel of Church leaders to marry in the temple, to invite children into our family, and to serve the Lord. 
If we had placed our education ahead of our family, we would not be so blessed now. Education was a lengthy process for us. Earning two doctor's degrees took me a long time. Then we struggled through many more years of surgical specialization. I did not send a bill for surgical services until I had been out of medical school for more than 12 years. By then, we had five children, but somehow we managed. I pay tribute to Sister Nelson, who never murmured because she had to make do with very little. Oh, I recall an experience one night in downtown Boston. We were walking along Boylston Street. There we passed a furniture store. Sister Nelson pressed her nose against the window pane and asked, Do you think we will ever be able to afford a lamp? Brethren, I suggest that you look for a companion with long-range vision like Sister Nelson. <laughs> to each sister, I suggest that you motivate your husband to become all that he can become, even if it takes a long time. We have tasted of life's successes and sorrows. We have dealt with disappointment, disease, and death among our children. But death cannot divide families sealed in the temple. That period of separation is only temporary. Thanks to the Lord's great plan of happiness, we can all face the future with great faith and optimism. Sister Nelson and I have learned that life is not a one-act play. There really is a premortal period, and there really is life after death. Premortal and mortal portions are but prelude to our postmortal life. Knowledge of the three degrees of glory as revealed through prophets gives us a glimpse of our postmortal potential. Eternal life is glorious and well worth the quest. The pre-mortal period has important doctrinal underpinnings that fortify our faith. Then the everlasting gospel was set in place. Before the foundation of the earth, the plan of salvation was prepared. It included the glorious possibility of a divine inheritance for us in the kingdom of God. Central to that plan of salvation is the atonement of Jesus Christ. In pre-mortal councils, he was foreordained by his Father to atone for our sins and break the bands of physical and spiritual death. Jesus declared, I was prepared from before the foundation of the world to redeem my people. In me shall all mankind have life, and that eternally, even they who shall believe on my name. Later, 
Paul added that the Church is built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. Also pivotal to God's plan is the family. In fact, a purpose of the plan is to exalt the family. The earth was created so that we, as pre-mortal spirit children of our Father in heaven, could come to the earth and obtain physical bodies. We are here to be tried and tested. We are here to choose liberty and eternal life or to choose captivity and death. And best of all, we are allowed to fall in love, to be married, and to invite children into our families. Certain blessings were to be reserved for the latter days. The Lord had planned to reveal things which had been kept secret from the foundation of the world. Those things included revelations as recorded in the Book of Mormon. They also included ordinances and covenants of the Holy Temple. To the Prophet Joseph Smith, the Lord declared, I deign to reveal unto my Church things which have been kept hid from before the foundation of the world, things that pertain to the dispensation of the fullness of times. The ordinance of baptizing for the dead was also instituted from before the foundation of the world. Salvation was thus to be made available for those who should die without a knowledge of the gospel. A welding link between generations was provided that a whole, complete, and perfect union of dispensations, keys, powers, and glories should take place. This welding together of generations is so important that the purposes of the earth and the purposes of the Church both would be defeated if families were not sealed in holy temples. Preparation for our mortal life began even in the pre-mortal realm. Before the foundation of the world, each of us existed as spirit children with our heavenly parents. Among us were the noble and great, Abraham, Jeremiah, Joseph Smith, and others, were destined to become prophets of God, some of whom would become martyrs in His holy cause. The manner of conferring the priesthood was to come down from the fathers from the beginning of time, even before the foundation of the earth. The Lord teaches that in order to obtain the highest degree of celestial glory, a man must enter into this order of the priesthood, meaning the new and everlasting covenant of marriage, and if he does not, he cannot obtain it. Sisters were given a special gift. They were enabled, according to the Lord, to multiply and replenish the earth and to fulfill the promise 
which was given by my Father before the foundation of the world for their exaltation in the eternal worlds, that they may bear the souls of men. Herein is the work of my Father continued, that he may be glorified. Think of the majesty of that decree when a mother worthily bears and cares for a child she not only helps the earth answer the end of its creation she glorifies God we as children of the covenant were chosen to serve the Savior the Apostle Paul taught that the Lord hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world. As part of that foreordination, God established conditions that allowed us to receive his blessings. Those blessings were to be conferred upon obedience to the laws upon which his blessings are predicated. One of those conditions pertains to our need to overcome worldly temptations. Before the world was formed, opposition was allowed to come from Satan. He has always fought against the Savior's sacred work and will continue to do so. He has opposed the prophet and the scriptures of the Restoration. And in our day, Satan has chosen to wage war directly at the heart of God's plan, which is the family. Signs of his attacks are all about us. The number of mature adults who are married is declining, as are birth rates. The age at which couples get married is increasing as are the numbers of unmarried couples. Immorality and pornography are pervasive and pernicious. With such spiritual sickness all about us, it takes real faith in the Lord and in his gospel to withstand attacks from the adversary. I urge you, to deny yourselves of all ungodliness, both physical and spiritual. Keep a firm grasp on the iron rod of the gospel. Brothers and sisters, before the world was, the gospel was central to God's eternal plan. It is an everlasting gospel, now restored in its fullness. With such a foundation, this church will not be moved from its place, even through the millennium. The gospel of Jesus Christ is a sure foundation upon which we can build our individual faith. Some of us are weak. Some are strong. We can waffle like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed, or we can anchor ourselves with cords of spiritual steel rooted 
and grounded to the eternal truths of the gospel. Such faith will not prevent life's problems, but will help when things go wrong. Bad things happen to good people. Accidents occur. Some married couples may not be blessed with children. Others may not marry in this life. Or they may find themselves married to one who fails to keep the commandments of God. The Lord is aware of these circumstances. He will bestow all the blessings that he has in store for his faithful children in his own way and in his own time. Be righteous. Be patient. Keep an eternal perspective. And you will be protected. Through the years, you will note that apostles and prophets teach the rule. We don't teach exceptions to the rule. Exceptions are left to individual agency and accountability. The Lord knows we live in an imperfect world. He knows it is ripening in iniquity. His judgments will be fair, just, and merciful. A decade ago, the First Presidency and the Council of the Twelve Apostles, foreseeing this spiritual slide, prepared a proclamation to the world on the family. It is even more relevant today. We proclaim that marriage between a man and a woman is ordained of God and that the family is central to the Creator's plan for the eternal destiny of His children. All human beings, male and female, are created in the image of God. Each is a beloved spirit son or daughter of heavenly parents, and as such, each has a divine nature and destiny. Gender is an essential characteristic of individual premortal, mortal, and eternal identity and purpose. The first commandment that God gave to Adam and Eve pertained to their potential for parenthood as husband and wife. We declare that God's commandment for His children to multiply and replenish the earth remains in force. We further declare that God has commanded <clears throat> that the sacred powers of procreation are to be employed only between man and woman, lawfully wedded as husband and wife. We declare the means by which mortal life is created to be divinely appointed. We affirm the sanctity of life and of its importance in God's eternal plan. Now, dear friends, note this warning. Individuals who violate covenants of chastity or who fail to fulfill family responsibilities will one day stand accountable before God. Further, we warn 
that the disintegration of the family will bring upon individuals, communities, and nations the calamities foretold by ancient and modern prophets. If you will heed that proclamation, brothers and sisters, you will be blessed. God lives and loves us. With his help, we can foster our faith and families. We can qualify for this promise from the Lord. If a man marry a wife by my word and by the new and everlasting covenant, and it is sealed unto them by the Holy Spirit of promise, they shall inherit thrones, kingdoms, principalities, powers, and dominions. I testify that your faith and your families will bring you great joy here and hereafter. God lives. Jesus is the Christ. His church has been restored. We are led by his prophet, President Gordon B. Hinckley. Upon each of you, my beloved young adults of the church, I leave my love and blessing. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. amen. You've been listening to the Come Follow Me podcast, presented by BYU Speeches. Please check out our other podcasts of recent speeches, classic speeches, and BYU Speeches compilations on love and marriage, overcoming adversity, by study and by faith, the prophet Joseph Smith, and Jesus Christ, our Savior and Redeemer. Go to speeches.byu.edu and click on podcasts for more information. You can also find all BYU Speeches podcasts at your preferred podcast provider.